you're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to another Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Hopefully you're finding ways to fill the off-season, the downtime in the NFL. Obviously there's lots of stuff going on around the Combine. Some bits and pieces of news coming out that we'll be touching on later in the show. But without the games being on, maybe there is a little void. Maybe there's not as much happening from uh, each and every Sunday's perspective. But uh, I've been finding ways to fill that in. Including going to the gym quite regularly, uh, hitting the weights, and uh, obviously uh, joined up with the new Donegal American football team, which is the Donegal Dairy Vipers, and it's been a lot of fun. I was out training with them yesterday, so hit the gym today after, and I can just say that I'm uh, a little bit beat up right about now, And uh, but it was a lot of fun. Looking forward to the season starting in that. It'll be in the Irish American Football League. Today on the show, we're going to be talking all things New York Giants. We're going to be joined by Broad Sutherland, a broad is... A big fan of the Giants, obviously a big friend of the show here as well, and he's going to talk us through some of the stuff going on around the New York Giants and what they need to do this free agency draft and his thoughts on the previous season, the Tom Coughlin regime. Many topics covered on him. Looking forward to sharing that with you in just a little moment. Obviously, uh, our pals over there at Last Word on Sport, we always plug them at the start of the show. They are helping spread the word of Overtime Ireland. As are you, the listeners and users are doing a great job. Every comment, rating on iTunes, Stitcher and so on helps as well. Every share, you know, through Twitter, whatever social media aspects you do it on. We're not on Facebook, but of course you can share the links on Facebook. A lot of people doing a great job at that as well as the guys over there at Last Word on Sport. And check out their website, lastwordonsport.com. Check out their great Twitter handle as well. That is at Last Word on Sport. But just there when we're plugging, people sharing, people spreading the word. Have to give a big thank you to somebody who's been spreading the word for a long, long time here at the show. And maybe, we, I don't think we've ever mentioned her on the show before. But uh, Becky on Twitter, she's a, a big Green Bay Packers fan. She's always retweeting all the links, sharing them, favoriting them, and so on and so forth. I uh, just want to give a quick thank you to her and uh, everyone else that does help spread the word. Thank you as well. But I've just noticed since, uh, you know, Christmas time on around, fantastic job she's been doing spreading the word. So thanks to her. Obviously as well, check out our Twitter handle. That's at Overtime Ireland. You can find out everything we've got going on via there. And of course, OvertimeIreland.com. But let's get straight into that interview now that I've done with Broad Sutherland all about the New York Giants. Hi, this is Harry Carson, former New York Giant and Pro Football Hall of Famer. You're listening to Overtime Ireland. So as we continue to do our recap of as many teams around the National Football League as we possibly can in the next few weeks, we're... That was a kind of a very proper uh, intro into it. There you heard the voice of Harry Carson, former New York Giants uh, player and a Hall of Famer. We're we'll talking Giants today, and we're going to be talking it with Broderick Sutherland. Broderick was part of the team here from Overtime Ireland from the start, and he does a bit of writing from time to time. Still on the website, part of the the crew over there at Last Word on Sport as well. Our partners, Last Word on Sport, and a contributor for the Bleacher Report. So Broad's on now to talk some New York Giants. Well, it's an absolute pleasure having you on the show, Rob or Broad. Uh- <laughs> well, it's been a, it's a pleasure to be on your show as well, and to uh, join the many NFL legends. And then there's uh, me, just a blogger. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you're you're in good company, but uh, it's great to you know the Giants are a team that I like to talk about. There's always something interesting going on with them, and like they're kind of maybe the step brother there, the New York Jets. They a bit more controversial with the Jets at times, but this season was <laughs> a, a very interesting season for the the Giants overall. It, you know, had its ups and downs, more downs maybe than ups. But the season as a whole, uh, I'm going to get you to rate it from between a 1 and a 10. How would you rate the season overall? Uh, I, I've been spending all day uh, thinking about this one. Uh, I, a part of me has seen improvement of uh, our offensive play. That's been a huge significant factor to why I think positively about the Giants. But yet on the other side, 
our defense has completely crumbled. So, and also the fact that we had a worse record uh, in 2014 than we did in 2013 when we played even worse. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, bearing that in mind, um, I would have to say a three out of ten. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so so far, <laughs> we, we haven't had too many. We ha- we have had one over five uh, so far. In our recap series not there it was for the Packers. So it had, there's a lot of teams here that have been disappointed this season watching uh, their NFL franchises. But uh, you mentioned there the, the record. This was a question I was going to ask you later in the show. But you mentioned the record was uh, you know varying. But outside of the years that you have won the the Super Bowl, it hasn't. Even those years as well, they weren't you know brilliant records. It's been a, a consistent thing nearly now for the last seven eight years for the Giants not having huge winning records throughout the season. Yeah, um, I just suppose that's uh, something of Coughlin's reign. You know, like. Uh, it's a price we paid to have two Super Bowls. Uh, I know that makes no logical sense, but yeah. it's just it's hard to explain. Um, we have the weapons. We had good defenses. Uh, Eli Manning's had a couple of good years in between some mediocre years. Um, and I just think the team as a whole, there's always something wrong with it to prevent it from being a potential dynasty like uh, the New England Patriots with the two Super Bowl victories, nothing happening in between, you know, and there's nothing that's happened afterwards. Yeah, it's amazing, uh, that, you know, if you yeah. look at the team as a whole, if they hadn't won those two, I know it's easy to say, but if they hadn't won those two Super Bowls, it would be a pretty, a pretty bleak uh, last 10 years. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's not a lot else to say, really. I mean, was it only three playoffs uh, we've re- reached in the last 10 years? It's... Uh, it's not quite good enough, but then again, if you want to think about it this way, the NFC East is a very competitive division. So it's, I, a, hard, I that, it's a hard division to predict each year. So, I thought you know. the way you were going to answer that question was to say you, you have reached the, the playoffs on three occasions, but you have won two Super Bowls. That's the way, I, if I was a Giants fan, I would answer that one. But uh, you know, well, you've got to take. Yeah, you've got to take this on with brutal honesty, though. So, <laughs> so obviously now we're going to go in. I want to get an MVP for the, the Giants season, and I guess I'm going to guess that you're going to say Odell Beckham Jr., but uh, I'll let you have the floor and say who you want your MVP to be. I was going to say J.D. Walton. What an excellent centre. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, clear, clearly uh, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year, deserves to be the Giants' MVP of the year. There is no player that has been that outstanding for the Giants in quite a long time in my opinion um, just judging by his recent history, uh, sorry to Michael Strahan but this guy just screams impact and we're already comparing him to Randy Moss and Chris Carter, now I hope he doesn't get too far ahead of himself because we've only seen 12 games but those 12 games boy, I can tell you I'm really excited Yeah, you mentioned not getting too far ahead of himself, I've seen him a lot around Super Bowl week, he was doing a lot of different things, he'd done the, you know, the world record thing with Drew Brees for the catches which was beaten the next day after it but the one-handed <laughs> grabs but you know he, he's been very involved in the media over you know since you know he just exploded onto the scene after missing those four first four weeks exploded onto the scene and maybe now maybe he might start to believe in the hype a little bit I, I don't know you know he is so talented he looks to have so much natural ability I've seen him you know mm-hmm. at the pro Bowl, he was kicking field goals in the practice and everything he seems to be able to do everything but uh you know just are you afraid of him getting uh, maybe a little bit too big for his boots would that be a possibility uh, I, I think I don't think it will be a psychological problem. I think what the problem is going to be facing into next season is the fact that he's going to get double covered a lot. Yeah. He's yeah. Go, he's going to be he's going to probably be the number one receiver, and that's going to cause a whole bunch of new issues. 
facing defenses because they're going to get accustomed to him. So he has to adapt, and this is up to the wide receiver coaches. He has to adapt his role. And, but the, the upside is that we'll get a bit to cruise back next season, and hopefully, you know, that will actually add options. Well, it will all add options. Uh, means different routes will be played, and you know, people will be marking Cruz and Beckham. And it, our receiving core looks to be very exciting next year. So uh, I think Beckham can maintain the standard. It wouldn't surprise me if there's a little drop off. There's always a receiver that kind of drops off. I mean, Keenan Allen, the San Diego Chargers, he still had a decent year last year, but you know, the year before he was way more explosive. I think it's because teams kind of get accustomed to it, uh, facing the same receiver or facing the same players so they know what to expect with Beckham now you mentioned there Keenan Allen maybe that is a comparison I think there's more explosiveness to the game of Odell Beckham I think you know he, oh, he's more spectacular but we did see Keenan Allen have an explosive year but usually it does take you know that second third usually the third year when you see a receiver really stepping on and pushing on and progressing his career so you know fantastic rookie season for him you know I mentioned uh, when he was talking at the the Super Bowl one of the things he was asked was he, he played a number of sports in uh, college and he was saying which which sport are you best at obviously they thought it was going to be American football and they reckoned that he's a better soccer player than he is an American footballer so he must be quite a good soccer player as well but you mentioned there as well uh, Victor Cruz and you know he obviously had the patella tendon injury and he you know he's missed uh, the majority of the season injured I think against was against the Philadelphia Eagles but his recovery you know he seems to I follow him on Facebook he'd be putting up a lot of pictures mm. of him trying to get back into shape and he seems very confident but I think this year injury is going to be an injury that takes him he'll be there this season but I don't think he's going to be 100% this season I think he'll be lucky if he gets up to 80% for this season but now that you have a guy like Odell Beckham how do you think the two of those guys what changes uh, you know right running different concepts between the two of them uh that's a good question um to start off with Victor Cruz's knee injury uh, I'll just briefly detour there um there's a lot of talk about next year uh back in December when we're out of the playoff contentions about oh, when Victor Cruz comes back, everything's going to be a-okay. And now people will start talking about, oh, Victor Cruz, what if he doesn't recover this knee, from this knee injury properly? He, the, the biggest thing that will affect about Victor Cruz's game is his speed, uh, which, you know, he was slowing down anyway slightly. He's, a, he's getting closer to 30 now. <laughs> um, he's not that close, obviously. But he's slowing down a tiny bit over the past couple of years. So you have to be wary of that. But what he does add is an option. And now what he was very good at when we had Hakeem Nix as number one is that he was considered alongside Wes Welker, yes, like one of, the best yes, slot rece- one of the best slot receivers in the game. Now, I can imagine Odell Beckham being placed at number one. I can see Ruben Randall on the other side. I see Victor Cruz back in the slot. I think that's how the Giants will play next season because there's no way they're going to play Randall in the slot because he's dumb. <laughs> you know, I, I love him to bits. Like he's got some physical talent, and he can make catches, but his route run is done. So you need you need Victor Cruz in the slot, um, absolutely. And I think what will be beneficial is that Odell Beckham can play in the slot. So there could be the option to mix things about uh, around between Beckham and Cruz uh, heading into the 2015 season. Yeah, because when Cruz went down with that injury, everyone was talking about, obviously, the season wasn't going anywhere for the Giants, but they were talking about, you know, the, the wide receivers are very bleak there for them. There, there was no word at that stage really off Odell Beckham Jr. And, you know, now you're nearly at the stage where people are thinking, oh, well, we have Odell Beckham, so Victor Cruz is an afterthought. But people forget that two, three years ago, Victor Cruz was one of the most explosive playmakers oh. in the league. And, uh, 
you know he had he came in as a undrafted rookie a few fantastic seasons and you know i think uh, that he's gonna be an important part for them to have but i just don't think he'll be back to 100 percent. but maybe you, we've seen players like adrian peterson come in and absolutely shock us with their recovery so maybe he's a, he's a guy you know he, well from his from his uh, twitter and his facebook he seems to be a man that's really putting in the work in the gym so maybe he does come back and does come back stronger the man throwing mm. him the ball is uh, obviously eli manning and, or and you know we talked about you said he had a couple of good seasons and they led to Super Bowls but he's at times then when it's been up and down I thought at times this season he looked a lot better but mm. uh, long term what are your what's your outlook for him obviously you know I think he wants to retire as a New York Giant and I think you know there's there's probably about another 15 teams in the league that if he wasn't with the Giants that they would step up and sign him to a long term contract I think it will be it will be negotiated and he will stay with the Giants but as a fan, what's your look at uh, you know the long term future of Eli Manning and the, the New York Giants? Um, I it's a tough question in terms of long term. As a fan, obviously I would love Eli to stay. I mean, I don't think we're going to get a quarterback quite like him in quite a long time. Uh, just the way that quarterbacks are coming out of the draft classes recently, no one standing out. So you know, I mean, that, that obviously can change in college. I'm not. I don't have massive foresight, but I did a bit of research on the fact it's his contract year this year. Um, and I did a little bit of age, uh, research into his agent. Uh, I think his name's Tom Condon or something like that. And uh, there is, there is, whilst he might want to be a giant, I've read stuff in the media where, you know, it's just very bland comments. There's no, uh, no statements like Jason Pierre Paul back in December saying, I want to be a giant for life. Eli hasn't said that. Eli has not said that as far as I know. And this agent, he's not going to negotiate down. And I don't think Giants will pay that higher price for what will be a 35-year-old quarterback. I mean, are they willing to pay $20 million a year? Uh, I don't think so. And I don't think Eli Manning will do um, take a Tom Brady-esque hometown discount either. You know, so the Giants' biggest battle is not whether they want to keep Eli Manning, is how much they want to pay Eli Manning. And I think that could be proving the stumbling block uh, into the 2016 season. Yeah, I think too. You mentioned there that, you know, the 20 million, the going rate at the minute kind of is that 20 million range, anything from 16 mm. up. And, you know, people are talking about Peyton, Eli's brother, obviously, coming back this year, and it's going to be a $20 million uh, that he's going to get this year. The thing is that this is what the quarterbacks are getting now, and you know you're going to you're not really going to get a quarterback for anything less than ten million unless they're coming out through the draft and they're going on a rookie contract. So I think you know what the the way the cap is going to probably rise over the next two or three years. They they might fit that and they might take them at that price, and mm. you know we'll see how it goes. But you know just uh, maybe recklessly speculating. What about uh, Eli Manning plays for the Giants this year? Peyton Manning plays for the Broncos, and then Peyton Manning retires and Eli moves over to the Broncos. I can't see it happening, but. Stranger things have happened in the, in, the, in the world of professional sports, but I just I have a feeling that uh, you know the, the agent's obviously going to play hardball, trying to get as good a deal as he can for his his mm. client, and I, I think um, you know all things considered, doesn't look like any of the, the other quarterbacks in the roster are going to be a long term future for the team, and you know unless you go through the draft, and it can be a tricky process. I think uh, there's a good chance that they'll try and keep him on for another two or three years and they'll probably finish up with the Giants but the way the way you were talking about the agent do you think that there's some room for uh, the possibility of him leaving the, the, the Giants yeah <laughs> <Put it simply. laughs> um, I'm, I'm not trying to stir the pot or anything like that I just I, what I read last night didn't make encouraging reading 
that said, you're quite right. You know, this average rate of go- for quarterbacks these days, I mean, Peyton's going to get be paid $20 million. Eli's currently being paid $70 million a year yeah. um, with a cap moving up, I think, $1.5 million higher than projected. This is what ESPN reported today. Um, this year, uh, I mean, $20 million is not that unreasonable. It's just whether they want to place that on a 35-year-old quarterback who, let's be brutally honest, despite his two Super Bowl MVPs, hasn't been that consistent year on year. Yeah, and I'd agree with that. But what I will say is, with the receiving core, the definite improvements to our O-line, that's going to happen. Well, that should happen. Um, (laughs) Here's wishful thinking, eh? Um, In in 2015, I think he's going to be having another good year. Yeah, and he's going to have another season as well with the the new offensive coordinator there as well to try and mm. you know iron things out. And maybe it did look it looked it looked very positive at times this season, and then other times it didn't work out as well for them. So we'll see what happens there. The man, obviously, you know, kind of holding everything together. The head coach there, Tom Coughlin. There was a lot of speculation during the season that you know it, he wouldn't be back this year, but he is back. You know, your thoughts on Tom Coughlin as uh, the head coach of the Giants, whether it be good, bad, or indifferent. Uh this is the thing about Coughlin. I don't think he's ever going to get fired. I know, I know he's going to he's going to retire as a giant. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, if he has another losing season this season, or this coming season in September, then he's not going to get fired per se. I use fired in square quotes, but he may be forced to retire. Now, what I'm thinking, and this is just purely gut instinct, I think they might be placing Ben McAdoo for the role. Um, I, I just have a weird feeling about him, unless he goes off somewhere, head, head coaching off somewhere else. I just don't think I don't think McAdoo was ready this season, so I think that might have been part oh, of no, the thinking absolutely. as well. Because you know, it was his first year last year as the offensive coordinator. He was with the Packers before that, and you know, there mm. has been a, a lot of talk about him and that he will be a future head coach. So I thought this year maybe they just thought that it wasn't the right time for him to step up, and they didn't want to take somebody else in this year because then they couldn't elevate him yeah. next season if that was the case. And, so. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not saying he's going to be the coach uh, even in 2016 yeah. because I don't think Coughlin will go in 2016. He does, he's shown no signs of retirement, uh, retiring just yet, shall I say. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's just basically a case of Coughlin better make sure he just gets at least 8-8 eight and eight this season. Um, I looked at the schedule in terms of who we have at home and who uh, we have away. Uh, judging now, which is a bit ridiculous because we haven't gone through free agency and uh, the draft yet, and who knows what happens in the off season. But you know, nine and seven does look realistic for this giant side. I mentioned so that. So with that in mind, Coughlin, you know, he could stay on to twenty sixteen. I mentioned uh, at the start, you know, rating the season, uh, getting your MVP. I didn't go through the, the last one, and that was to get your favorite moment of the season. There's a there's a few moments even for the Giants. I'm not a Giant. I watch I watch nearly all the games every week. But you know, going just from a neutral, I would have to say Odell Beckham Jr.'s catch against uh, the Dallas Cowboys was one of the most spectacular things I've seen all season from from any game. So would that be up there? Is that the moment, or have you a different favorite moment of the this season? Uh, I have two. That because you know that, that is just ridiculous. an awesome play. And like. <laughs> Uh, you know, catch it like Be- Bender like Beckham is gone. That's so nineties. <laughs> catch it like Beckham is a new phrase. I'll tell you that now. Um, you know, this this might wind up uh, our fellow writer Eli Bookstaber a bit, but uh, us destroying the Redskins at Washington. <laughs> That was beautiful, I have to say. <laughs> I'm sure Eli is just turning off the podcast uh, if he's listening. 
I did. Yeah, I did think. Obviously, you, you want to beat like you want to beat your rivals, not there. But to make that catch as well, that catch was in a game that they eventually lost to the Dallas Cowboys. So maybe that took away from that. But but just for a, a sheer shock moment, that was the moment that people really thought that you know this guy is something really really special. It was. It's really. St- it's up there yeah. with, in the top five catches I'd say I've ever seen. Absolutely ridiculous and. Uh, that would have been my Giants moment of the season, but I can see exactly why you picked that one against the Redskins. So sorry again to any Redskins fans or Eli who's listening in. I'm sure if they can uh, turn the tables and get a victory next season uh, over the Giants, that'll be their favourite moment as well. So I'm sure there's no hard feelings there. We're, uh, we're, we got a few questions in as well on uh, Twitter, and we kind of went through the one. Tom Marshall asked us one, and it was about the, the role of Cruz with Odell Beckham. We've kind of gone through that. Uh, we got a question in from Phil Phelps, and he was wondering about Jason Pierre-Paul. Would you resign him straight away before free agency, or would you let him test the market, see what he's worth, and then maybe give him a chance to come back and see if the Giants match it? Well, the latest news uh, I've seen, and this is uh, courtesy of the New York Post, uh, was that uh, Jason Pierre-Paul might be signed to a non-exclusive franchise tag. Um for those who don't know, and uh, not many, there's so much jargon in <laughs> free agency. It's so absolutely confusing. What this means is basically, uh, we will sign him to a 15 million dollar one year contract, but that doesn't prevent teams from approaching him. But if they do approach him, put a tender in, sign him on, that means we get two first round picks in this year's draft. So I think it's a good move, and I think it's uh, good for a negotiation because. The way, from what sources have said within the Giants organization, apparently, according to the New York Post, is that they're looking more towards 11 to $12 million a year, which is a fair assessment. So this buys us time to negotiate down to a reasonable price. We've done this before. Uh, it's worked, and I think it will work again in this instance. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul wants to be a rich giant for life. <laughs> and, you know, in that regards, I don't see JPP moving to a different franchise in the 2015 season beyond that who knows but i think we'll get a new contract in the only downside is it's going to take up a lot of cap space a lot of cap space that we can't really afford if we want to do anything free agency and we need to keep a bit back for this year's draft it's all that thing you're just trying to balance out between free agency your current players draft and so on see that's what you need a good gm for to, to make all those difficult decisions and we can speculate on whether it was right or wrong but you mentioned there mm-hmm. the, the non-exclusive franchise tag i think uh, was it last season that uh, alex mack of the cleveland browns signed that and then the the jaguars uh, gave him a, an offer and then obviously the, the browns came back and matched it. he got injured mid-season but you know he, <laughs> he, he he's a very good player but it was kind of that thing you give the other team a chance to match it and then or give them an mm. offer and then you can try and match it so if, if somebody comes in with a big enough offer and you don't have enough cap room that's the issue there that you know you can't match it and you know we know the browns had a lot of cap room last year like the jaguars so it was a very very big offer for an offensive lineman that he received on that occasion but uh the other question then obviously you've kind of gone through it there but tom wanted to know tom marshall wanted to know uh is jpp in your opinion worthy of the franchise tag yeah uh yeah. absolutely i mean the, w- the way i see it is there's very few very good defensive ends that are 26 years of age who can make over 10 plus sacks a season he got 12.5 in 2014 still not good as good as his 2011 season but he, towards the latter half of the season he's showing the form of what we expected him to be and if he continues that into 2015 he'll be worth every dollar and on the flip side oh if we do lose him it's not going to break our hearts because then we will have two first round 
picks. I mean, this has yet to be confirmed, of yeah. course. Yeah. But we will have two first-round picks on top of the pick that we've already got. <laughs> so we'll have two draft picks this year, at least, in the first round. And that'll be good because we need, we've got a lot of holes in defense and defense, and we need to improve our offensive line. Yeah, I think yeah. I know you said it's not confirmed. I think it might be is it that they get a first round this year and their current first rounder, and then they get another mm. first rounder next year? Maybe is it? I'm not. 100%. Yeah, I think I think that's the case. Because it was something similar when they were talking with Jimmy Graham last year. If he had been franchise tagged or you know get the non exclusive tag, there was an opportunity for somebody to come in, and he might have been worth two or three first round picks to to get that. To get, <laughs> you know, because he's he's such a good player. But just to finish up, mm. uh, obviously free agency. We kind of touched a little bit there, depending on what happens with JPP. But free agency, the draft. What do you think the key needs are to to make this team a, a playoff contender next season? Um, well. The offensive line needs improving. We need, well, we need, we need a couple of improvements. Uh, the pick, I'm going to go briefly on what I want from the draft in the first round, and that's offensive lineman, uh, I forgot his first name, Brandon Sheriff, that's it. Brandon Sheriff, um, he's from Iowa State. He, uh, Mike Mayock has projected him as an offensive guard and said that he's a bit like Zach Barton, the Dallas Cowboys. He's versatile. He can play on the right tackle and right guard. And, you know, we can interchange with Pew. The only downside is that Pew doesn't replay really guards. But I've see, I checked a bit of video at him last night, and boy, he beats up defensive linemen. He is pancake central. I, I really want him on my team. <laughs> uh, I can't express that enough. Um, on the other side of the ball, we need improvements to the defensive line, like defensive tackle, defensive end. There's Danny Shelton and Shane Ray that could be brought in for the first round if we don't pick up Sheriff um, but the biggest biggest concern is the safety position um, because I'm not sure if you're aware but we're going to lose three uh, safeties in the free agency including Antra Roll, Stevie Brown and Quinton Depps so we're left with Nate Bear who's a bit inexperienced and uh, Cooper Taylor who's just injury prone so we need to re-sign Antra Roll and pick up another safety or two in the free agency, in the draft, or uh, yeah, or an undrafted rookie, anything, just chuck anything at it because we need people at safety. Yeah, I might, I might try and get over to, to to get over to New York this off season and see can I get a job as a safety. But uh, you mentioned, oh, I'm already there, mate. <laughs> so uh, hopefully, all the Giants fans listening and uh, you know enjoyed what we had, to, we had to talk about here. If the Jets fans were listening this week, maybe their ears are you know very sore at this stage. I don't know. <laughs> But uh, anyone, anyone that listened in, hopefully you all enjoyed the, enjoyed the segment here with Broad. Obviously, we've gone through a lot of teams so far, and we're going to keep it, keep it rolling here as we get towards the draft and free agency. So, uh, Broad, thanks for coming on to, to talk all things Giants with us. And, of course, anyone that's on Twitter, be sure and give Broad a follow. It's at Broad Sutherland. That's B-R-O-D-S-U-T-H-E-R-L-A-N-D. So be sure and stay, stay tuned to his feed because there's lots of stuff going on, Broad. You're doing writing for different bits and pieces and different sites and so on and so forth. That's the best way to keep up with all the writing you're doing at the moment, yeah? Yeah, that's absolutely right. I write for Bleach Report, Shoot Magazine. I'll be doing hopefully a couple of mock drafts for you that I haven't told you about yet. <laughs> and, and of course, lastwordonsport.com, Overtime Island Partners. Uh, check out their content. They're absolutely amazing. Upcoming website. And also follow me on Twitter. I am awesome and opinionated. <laughs> Oh, we all know your opinion of Broad, but we love getting everyone's opinions in. It's uh, it's great to get different uh, different opinions, and I think being a being a Giants fan that fits in perfectly because anyone in the in the New York area, you know, we all know that the New Yorkers love love having uh, their vast opinions on different subjects. So, we'll we'll leave it there, and uh, thanks very much, Broad, for coming on to talk to us.
And that's not a problem. It's been a pleasure. Hi, I'm Delaney Walker, tight end for the Tennessee Titans, and you listen to Overtime Ireland. Thanks once again to Brad for coming on. Give him a follow on Twitter. Since we recorded that, uh, more news coming out obviously all the time and with the combine and that, there was lots of meetings taking place. Seems like uh, we're on to something there with the, the JPP, Pierre Paul thing uh, with him not being let go by the Giants. Looks like if they do not agree a deal, he will be franchise tagged. So that was something that Broad touched on there. Actually, that lots of other bits and pieces coming out throughout the combine and uh, on the subject of the Detroit Lions, it looks like there's been no headway made with a deal for Indomitian and Sue. I still think he's going to test for agency. And uh, I think he'll uh, be picked up by another team. Nick Farley, on the other hand, had a meeting with the team and uh, looks like things have come out fairly positive from that. So maybe losing one piece, keeping another. It's going to be difficult to keep both of those guys uh, who have been thoroughly dominant over the last few years. There's a report coming out of the New Orleans Saints. Looks like they've cut six-time Pro Bowl guard Jerry Evans. And, uh, you know, it's a, it came as a bit of a shock, to be honest, but uh, there were him and fellow guard Ben Grubbs, who was also cut, were set to count for almost $10 million of cap space. So... You know, it looks like they could be showing the door. The report has come out, so, you know, usually these reports don't come out unless something is going to happen. So by the time you're listening to this, maybe you'll know if I'm right or wrong on that there, but that is just a report there that I have read off NFL.com. Some of the stuff going around Twitter seems to back that up as well. There was a rumour came out over the weekend, and it looked like there was going to be a done deal. Was a, I think it was Jason Lack and Fora came out with it, about Marshawn Lynch had a deal agreed with the, the Seattle Seahawks was going to be signed over the coming days. Lynch's agent has come out since denied all uh, you know reports and uh, says there's no data at, at the moment. So it looks like all things are at status quo. We're all uh, up in the air as to what's going to happen with Marshall Lynch, but I fully expect him to to return to the Seattle Seahawks. He'll probably miss out in training camp, I'd imagine. Uh, you know, <laughs> but uh, I think he'll definitely be back next season. And on the subject of Seattle Seahawks, going to be talking with Dino Garman of NFL Female to re- recap all of the stuff that happened in the Seahawks season. That's going to be coming up in uh, two podcasts time the next podcast coming the subject of the san diego chargers so a lot of interesting stuff going on with them too and around the stadium move possible move with the oakland raiders we'll be talking all about that there as well so looking forward to bringing you those two recaps uh both this week probably wednesday and friday so look forward to sharing them with you on the subject of the combine the two quarterbacks uh james winston and marcus mariota who appear to be battling it out for that top top pick probably uh you know tampa bay buccaneers probably looking for a quarterback i'd imagine with that James Winston and Marcus Mariota both uh, done very, very well at the Combine, both athletically and, uh, you know, do speaking to the media. Everything they had to do true well. And, uh, you know, if I was picking one of them that I thought done better than the other, I thought, you know, James Winston obviously has his issues off the field. I think he's more pro-ready if you look at what he did at college. You know, calling plays in the huddle, taking the ball from under centre and so on, whereas Mariota played in that Oregon spread offence. But definitely talent there as well. But I thought James Winston really impressed at the Combine. Speaking, you know, he answered some questions about what happened in the in the past and that, and obviously that's a major red flag for any team that's going to draft him. The players like or teams like the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, of course, with that top pick. But it's uh, you know, you have to balance that all up. Can he mature? We've seen players, you know, Des Bryant had issues coming into the league. He's matured, and uh, you know, he, he could be rewarded with a big contract in the coming weeks. And then you have players like Josh Gordon who just haven't really settled down at any stage. That caused him to go into the supplemental draft rather than the main draft. But you know, sometimes they they don't iron these kinks out of their lifestyle and that we've seen with Johnny Manziel now spending a spell in rehab so James Winston has had his uh, off the field issues but uh, you know it looks like he's going to be a, a talented quarterback and definitely I think he's I would say at the moment my money would be on him to be the, the first quarterback taken off the board and likely the number one overall pick Marcus Mariota fastest quarterback run at the combine obviously you want to have some speed in case you want to have your quarterback run but you know I, I, I'm not the, the biggest believer in having a quarterback who's you know running 
stats at the combine are going to move him up the draft board i think it's you know you want to have the key arm talent you want to have the the knowledge between the the eyes and the ears and uh, that sort of stuff but both of those two guys definitely still at the top of the the board and really have separated himself from the rest of this you know quarterback class so really uh, they don't know harm to themselves the other guys didn't really elevate themselves all that much heard a few interviews uh, over the week and you know people from around the uh, rams organization both the head coach there jeff fisher and uh, their gm you know seems to be all up in the air what's going on with sam bradford there was rumors coming out that you know they allowed him to to seek a trade to see if he could get a trade partner to take him on and then it was denied by uh, the head coach and so on so there's been a couple of rumors going around sam bradford obviously battling back now from two knee injuries uh, came back last season and then in pre-season re-injured that knee there's been talk that it could have been you know a bad graft on the on the actual acl injury that he had uh, or you know maybe it was just bad luck i would say i put it down to bad luck rather than the, the forced operation but he's coming back now be interesting to see do the Rams stick with him do they do they try and get another quarterback on the roster i think his cap number is obviously very high it's uh, 16.6 million this year so you know, I think it will. He does need to restructure that contract if he's going to stay in the roster. And I think they should again somebody to challenge him. He does have talent, but you know, there's only so long you can say that this guy has potential. You need to step up to the plate. And unfortunately for him, injuries in the last two years have really uh, not helped. Uh, not helped his case. I was talking about the draft, or the you know, we're looking to the draft, and we're looking at the combine here. You know, we talk about forty times. We've seen some guys run ridiculous forty times in the past, never amount to anything in the NFL. But you know, when you're going on, these are good ways to measure people against each other. And uh, Vic Beasley had a, a very, very good combine uh, overall. His athleticism was quite ridiculous, and he had a, a forty yard dash time of 4.53 and they you know that there was number was lower than cam newton and colin kaepernick put up in there so you know another quarterback that i mentioned the other guys not elevating themselves maybe he elevated himself slightly but it's down to athleticism you know and we've seen athletic quarterbacks sometimes not pan out in the league in recent years it has worked out better but you know it's uh it's not the key stat for me to be honest a lot of teams including the jacksonville jaguars seem to be willing to listen to picks you know trading picks uh, people want to move up to to get their third overall pick and i'm sure a lot of teams in this are you know i don't think the, the bucks are going to trade out they're going to take a quarterback i'd imagine but then when you're looking at the other teams there's a lot of teams there that might want to drop back down there's been word that the eagles will want to move up but it's going to take a lot to get the, the eagles up there to get Mariota. so uh, it'll be interesting to see i think that we'll see a lot of trades maybe even before the draft but particularly on on, on uh, the the day off the the nfl draft teams moving about trying to mix and match trying to get up trying to get those deals agreed to, to move on up so we'll see what happens and of course chip kelly you know thinks out to the box a lot of the time maybe he'll uh, package the the whole farm to, to get mariota we'll see what happens there so there's a few little tidbits from from what's going on at the combine you know i, I watched bits and pieces of the footage i mostly watched the the highlight clips on nfl.com and so on you know there's a lot of stuff goes on and i, I really don't think a lot of it is uh, all that conducive to what goes on in the nfl field but i guess this is you know the standardized test to to see how the the, the talents are going to project to the next level i think most of them it's more down to the the tape and so on i think the key part of the combine nowadays is to try and get them in there get the medicals all the teams get to check out all the injuries that maybe the players had any little things like that there and obviously the interviews then with the players but you know the players now are really coached up in the offseason they do do the physical workouts to try and get them in the best shape for the 40 yard dice snap they're also coached up on how to answer the questions from the team asked them so they're trying to see if they can get the, the you know different questions to try and see what little bits of information they can get out of the prospects but as i said a lot of it is uh you know to just to test them athletically and then obviously the, the interviews are a very key part as is the health checks and that that they do so we'll, we'll get more information coming out there'll be some things that'll be leaked out i'm sure as to how players get on in certain scenarios but uh 
until uh, I'll be back later in the week with another show. The next show up is going to be the San Diego Chargers. The one after that is going to be the Seattle Seahawks. As we continue our recaps here, heading into kind of free agency in the draft season. So hopefully you've enjoyed the show. Make sure you do rate, subscribe us on iTunes. And uh, obviously, until next time, my name's Colin. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.